Welcome to Northridge Church, and uh, thank you for connecting on Easter weekend. Uh, I get to serve here at Northridge as the campus pastor of Grozeal. Uh, it's my beautiful wife, Emily, and uh, we are grateful that you've connected with us, whether you're here in Michigan, uh, somewhere across the country, even around the globe. We're glad that you joined us. Yeah, at Northridge Church, we are all about waking the world up to Jesus, and our desire is to see hearts change and lives changed, and for people to find and discover that hope in Jesus. So this weekend, Pastor Brad's going to be talking all about that hope, and we can't wait for you to hear it. Not only are we having an engaging conversation about hope, uh, we have this incredible drumming group from St. Louis called Stickyard. Uh, they're going to partner together with our worship team uh, for an exciting, intense, fun-filled weekend service uh, like you've never experienced before. Yeah, so we're really glad that you're here, and we hope that you'll enjoy the service. Hope is something every single one of us desperately needs. In fact, it's indispensable to life. And yet, when you think about it in this world of ours, it's, it's one of the most difficult things to find, hope. I mean, in a world so filled with disappointment and tragedy and frustration and betrayal and loss, it's just hard to find hope. And once you find it, it's really hard to hold on to, but, but the empty tomb, Easter Sunday, the day Jesus walked out of that grave, changed all of that. A great example is found in Mary Magdalene, the lead character in the short film our team put together. She, she as she took her journey of life, knew what it was like to be a mess, a total mess. In fact, the Bible tells us that she was a woman who was, who was possessed by seven demons. I mean, I, we don't understand all that that means in her life, but we know this. It doesn't get much worse than that. Seven demons. She, she was a mess. She was disconnected from God, consumed by darkness and controlled by evil, but then she had an encounter with Jesus and he changed everything for her. He turned her life right side up. He literally freed her from all the darkness and despair. I love, I love this one sentence. It tells her whole story. Mark chapter 16 verse 9. Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. It tells what she was and what she is now when she met Jesus. Imagine what Jesus meant to her. Imagine the hope he brought. She was devoted to following him. Following him brought her purpose and meaning in life. And then Jesus died. This one who promised life died. This one who was the source of her hope died. Everything was lost in that moment. It looked like hope 
was no different from Jesus than it was from any other source in this world. It looked like Jesus made big promises like everyone else, but didn't live up to them. I mean, how can a dead Savior be a Savior of any kind at all? How can a dead Savior bring hope at all? And I love what our team did in that video because it shows the agony of soul. She had found hope, but now was disillusioned times ten. But then, he, he rose from the dead. I mean, he lived up to an incomprehensible promise. And I think sitting 2,000 years later, here in the 21st century, celebrating this thing we now call Easter, should impact us in ways that are transforming. Because the empty tomb proves once and for all that no matter how bad life gets, no matter how dark the moment is that we're in, we can trust God. His promises never fail. We always have hope. Uh, a friend of mine, Pete Wilson, he's actually spoken here at Northridge a couple of times, wrote a blog that really, really inspired me. It, it's a blog about Saturday. Kind of a weird topic, right? But think about it in the context of what we're celebrating this weekend. Everybody focuses on, on Friday, Good Friday, the day Jesus died. Everybody focuses on Sunday, you know, Easter Sunday, the day he walked out of the tomb, but no one talks much about Saturday, you know, the day in between. But Saturday's the day that we most relate to. Saturday's the day that, that we know better than any other day. You know, it's the day of disappointment. It's a day of sadness and pain. It's a day of loss. It's a day of failure, fear, and despair. It's a day of doubt, and boy, do we know doubt. It's a day when God feels as if he's a million miles away, that his promises and his love aren't real, but they are real. He's not a million miles away. He's here, he's present, he's fulfilling his promises. No matter how seemingly impossible his promises are, they're real. Jesus walked out of the tomb. I mean, his promises you can count on. We just have to trust him because his promises are true. Yes, he died. Yes, his followers had to experience the agony and disillusionment and darkness and despair of that Saturday. It was like every second was an eternity of misery. But on Sunday, on Sunday he rose. On Sunday everything changed, not just for a moment, but forever. On Sunday Mary learned that what he gave to her on the front side of his death, he could give her on the back side of his resurrection forever and ever and ever. And here we are celebrating Easter. What we should we get from it? What, what can we take away from it? How can it impact our lives? Well, it's simple. If we experience the hope of Jesus, you know, the power of Jesus that, that was so clearly displayed at the resurrection we can know now that it changes everything, and not just temporarily, not just for a moment, but forever. This is why we threw 1 Corinthians 15, 19, and 20 on the end of our short film. It's because it really says it all. Paul wrote, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, then you should pity us more than anybody. I mean, if, if all that we hope in 
when we talk about Jesus is only good for this moment, for the now, while we're breathing here on earth. What a waste of time. That hope's no better than any other hope we can get. We might as well pursue pleasure. We might as well pr pursue prosperity. We might as well pursue our own interests. We're wasting our time being here because if Jesus doesn't give us any better of a hope than this world does, what a waste of time. What a crock. But, verse 20 says, <laughs> but... It's not a waste of time because he has indeed been raised from the dead, which means his promise isn't like the promise of this world. He doesn't make big promises and not live up to them. They're not short-term fixes of adrenaline that help us make it through one more day and then it's gone and it dissipates. No, his hope is now and forever. It changes everything. Since we're celebrating it, we might as well understand it, right? Do you know when he walked out of that tomb, that empty tomb means that we as human beings here in the 21st century, we never have to be defined by our past again. And this is, this is really what wrecks our lives. You, you do know that all of our dysfunction and all of our despair and all of our disillusionment, you know, it all, it all comes because of the past. You know, the person who looked at us and told us that we were worthless. You know, the person who stared us down and said we'd never amount to anything. You know, the person who betrayed us, made big promises but didn't come through. The person who was supposed to love us but ended up loving themselves more. You know, all the things that happened in the past and not just other people to us but us to ourselves. You know, our big failures, our big betrayals, all that stuff in the past. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, he left all of the junk inside. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. We're celebrating Easter, but how come so many of us are still being defined by our past? We're celebrating Easter. How come so many of us are still broken and bitter from our past? We don't have to be. As Mary found new life, so can we. We're more than our past. We can be the sum of Jesus' resurrection. Talk about new life. You know what else the empty tomb means for us? It means that no longer in this world do we ever have to be controlled by anything or anyone other than Jesus and his goodness in our life. Do you know that? When he walked out of that tomb, Jesus overcame everything that overcomes us, controls us, and messes us up, which is why Romans 8.37 says, no, in all these things, we are more than, and I love this word, it's a word we don't use of ourselves. In fact, it's a word, when we look in the mirror, we don't think this word, but this is what we can be in Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us so. When he walked out of that tomb, he made it possible for us to overcome what overcomes us. And I, I'm a human being. I know. I have these propensities in life. I have these things that overcome me. me. It's like every time I face them down, I lose on my own. But that's not how I live anymore. It's not me living on my own and facing down my my weaknesses, it's me living in him and he has no weaknesses. He walked out of that tomb. He overcame everything that overcomes me. The same is true with you. You don't have to be controlled by anything anymore. You don't have to be because he rose. That's what we're celebrating. That's why we're celebrating. 
You don't have to be controlled by your weaknesses. You don't have to be controlled by your failures. You don't have to be controlled by other people's opinions. You don't have to be controlled by your fears, your troubles, or your grief. You can let it all go because when Jesus walked out of the tomb, he put death behind him and life before him, and that's what his gift is to us. Are you celebrating Easter this weekend? You see, that's what he brought to us. Do you realize? Yeah. It's worth celebrating. When he walked out of that tomb, it meant that forever and ever, not temporarily, but forever, we don't have to settle for ordinary anymore. And I, I'm telling you, we live in a world that settles for ordinary. Just getting by, just doing the best we can, just doing enough to make it, just existing through life. But that's not how we were made to live, which is why we long for so much more. It's why there's so much despair in our lives and disillusionment, because we know there's something more and we can't access it. I'm telling you, you might not be able to access it, but Jesus walked out of that tomb. He is your source for power, and all you have to do is turn from him. You don't have to settle for ordinary anymore. When he walked out of that tomb, he opened up the door of all of God's possibilities in your life. That's why Acts 4.13 is so meaningful to me. He took ordinary people and he made them extraordinary. He says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, what amazing men they had become, and they realized that they weren't amazing men from birth. They were unschooled and ordinary guys. They, there was nothing special about them, but they were astonished at them and they took note of the reason. These men had been with Jesus. So do people see the difference in you? You see what I'm saying? We're singing the songs of Easter. We're talking the talk of Easter. We're celebrating the holiday of Easter. We're eating ham and crap like that. <laughs> but, but do people notice that we've been with this risen Savior? You know why so many people deny the reality of Jesus? Because those of us who claim Jesus aren't showing the reality of his life in us. I mean, we're here to celebrate a resurrection. Do you know, without, without exception, every single hero in the Bible, Jesus excluded because Jesus wasn't like us, but without exception, other than Jesus, every single hero in the Bible started out as a failure. Did you know that? Flawed, weak, and failed. And you know why? Because that's the only kind of humans there are, me, you. We can pretend and we can put on the image, but we're just failures. That's who we are. But God specializes in failures. God specializes in weakness. We don't have to run and hide from him. We don't have to pretend we're something else because God specializes in this. Mary was the person... No one wanted near them. Mary was the person everyone avoided. The Bible makes it really, really clear. I mean, she had seven demons. And let me just prove this to you, that this is the person people avoid. If she was on Match.com and her bio said, I'm filled with seven demons, how many call her for a date? You know? This is the person no one wants to be around, and we know what it's like to be that person, to not be picked, to be rejected, to be betrayed. We know what that's like. This is who she was. She's the spokeswoman for someone who was rejected, and yet, though the world rejected her, Jesus chose her first. Did you know that? You might not know that we're here in 2018. It's been a couple of thousand years of celebrating Easter. But did you know she was the very first one on the planet to celebrate the empty tomb? The very first one. Look at Mark 16, 9. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to 
Who? Mary Magdalene. The, the woman who had seven demons? Really? Does the church even let her get baptized? Do you know what I'm saying? Can she even go to school with them? He chose her first. She was not only the first one he revealed himself to as the living Savior, but she was the first one he chose to share the story. Not his disciples, her. John 20, 17, go instead to my brothers and tell them that I've risen. He handpicked her. He chose her. He revealed himself to and through her. He literally changed her entire sense of identity. And you know that this, at least for me, reveals what our God's really like. I mean, I know people give him all kinds of names, good and bad, but this reveals what our God is really like. He, he doesn't just care about the broken. He chooses the broken. This is the one who walked out of the tomb. And 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says it, but, but he said to me, Paul the Apostles is talking here, and he says, he says to me, my grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Mary was the perfect candidate for God's power, the power of the resurrection, the power of hope, because she really understood her weakness. But, you know, we're the perfect candidates for his grace because we too are weak and broken and failed. And if there's one thing I want you to remember as you walk out of the celebration of Easter here at Northridge this weekend, I want you to remember that the resurrection is not for the strong and the perfect. The resurrection is for the weak and for the broken. It's for us. I mean, this is our celebration. We don't have to pretend we haven't earned it, we don't deserve it, but it's available to us, which is why can God had Paul continue this story in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when he said, therefore I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I won't pretend I'm not weak. I won't pretend that I'm, I'm perfect. I won't create images about myself that aren't true so other people will like me. No, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The power of his hope is available to you. All you have to do is come in your brokenness to experience it. You know what the empty tomb tells us? It tells us that we don't have to live empty and hopeless lives anymore. We, we don't. And this is what our world's filled with. Empty and hopeless people. Willing to just struggle to find some hope in a new house or a car or a new job or a, a new moment of pleasure. I mean, anything we can to have joy and hope for the next moment. But then it goes away. But... But the empty tomb means that we never have to be empty or hopeless again because when he walked out of that tomb, he, he left the tomb empty so that we could experience his fullness. He left the tomb dark so that we could experience his light. And you know, that's what he wants to do. He wants to take up residence in us. The living Savior left the tomb empty so we wouldn't be. But if, I mean, this is the promise of God. John 10.10, 10, Jesus himself said it, I've come to give you life and life in all of its fullness. And yet we live in a world where we celebrate Easter but we don't experience fullness. We live in a world where we celebrate Easter but we exist in the ordinary. We live in a, in a world where we celebrate Easter but we're controlled by so much that he's already overcome. We, 
We, we live in a world and we celebrate Easter, but we're still defined by our past, but we don't have to be. If we want to experience the power of his resurrection in our life, then all we have to do is what Mary did in our brokenness and come to him and put our faith in him. And we go from being overcome to overcoming. Look at 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For everyone who's born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Have you? Because when you experience him, it changes everything. In fact, how about right now? We're, we're, we're going to move into the time where we finish Mary's story in the short film and then we worship, just a significant worship, but it doesn't make sense to head into that part of the service and and us not be experiencing the power of the resurrection, right? And Remember on that first Easter, he revealed himself to Mary. He literally, purposely came to reveal himself to Mary so she wouldn't be broken by Saturday, but instead she'd be made fully alive by Sunday. Well, you just need to know that He's doing the same thing right now, here. He's revealing himself to each and every one of us. In Revelation 3.20, he says, I stand at the door of your life and I'm knocking and all you have to do is hear my voice. All you have to do is open the door and let me in. And what happens is the living savior of light and love takes up residence in your life and everything changes. But you have to open the door. And so before we move on with the service and I finish my little talk, I, I want to give you the opportunity to open the door. And so would you just in this moment bow in a word of prayer just for a moment. And as we pray, if you're here and you go, I need what Mary found. I, I need Jesus to live in me, to give me hope. Pray with me, would you? Just take my words and make them yours. Quietly in your heart, just say, Jesus, I'm asking you to just come into my life. I hear you knocking. I, I believe that you died on that cross for my sin. And so I confess my sin and give them to you by faith. And God, I, I believe that you rose again to give me new life and to live in me in your power and hope. And so I, by faith, ask you to come in and change me. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just before we move into worship, I want to encourage you, if you prayed, would you let me know? I mean, look at I'm not going to come knock on your door. We're not going to bug you. We've put together some information about next steps you can take in your relationship with God, and we want to give you a Bible. And the way we do that is, is by sending it to you if you give us the information we know you prayed with me. So if you're in one of our campus settings, we're one church in four locations, here in Plymouth or Celine, Gross Eel, Brighton, just take one of the programs and rip it out, the connection card, and fill it out. And either check that you prayed with me for the first time to receive Jesus or you prayed to renew your faith. If you prayed with me, check one of those. And then there are boxes at every exit. Just throw it in there. And we'll send you that Bible and that information. And if you're watching online, just hit the what next button and we'll do the exact same thing for you. But in order to get you to the place where you really, really worship this weekend, I, I want to remind you that Mary was worshiping Jesus. Mary found her hope in Jesus. Mary's life was changed by Jesus. And then he died and he was buried. And though she had put faith in him, she was experiencing only darkness and loss. You saw it in the short that our team did. And 
And then when he rose, she experienced life again. But here's what I want to remind you. The only way we experience Jesus on Saturday is if we keep trusting him on Saturday, if we keep trusting his promises when it seems like they're far away, if we keep trusting his promises even when it seems like they're impossible, and even when everyone else says we're a fool for trusting, we have to trust, and when we do, we experience his hope even in the midst of hopelessness, which is why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't go with your understanding and what you see and feel. It'll betray you every time. It'll make Saturday seem hopeless, but instead, trust the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, submit to him, and he'll make your path straight. You won't be disappointed. We're all going to experience Saturday and in our lives, and sometimes it feels like Saturday lasts forever, but if you keep trusting Jesus, even in the midst of the deep darkness of your life, in the end, you won't be disappointed. I'm telling you, no matter how far you think he seems away from you, he's there, and he'll reveal himself, and he'll show up, and he'll do amazing things in your life if you keep trusting, because no matter how long Saturday is, when he shows himself to you and reveals himself to you like he did to Mary on Sunday, all the agony disappears, and all the junk goes away, and all you have is joy that makes you want to fall down and worship. When you keep trusting, you realize that you experience what he promised, life and life to the full. When you keep trusting, you get to experience his presence again, even in the midst of whatever season you're in. And that's exactly what happened to Mary on that very first Easter Sunday.
You can be seated. We're going to continue in worship, but before we do, I just want to say it's, it's easy to get lost in the wonder at the God of time and space, isn't it? When you think of his vastness, how big he is, he's the maker of the moon, it's so easy to, to be in awe over that. But I, I want to remind you that more awesome than how big God is, is that this big and vast God cares about us, chooses us, wants us so much that he died for us and, and rose again to make it possible. On that Saturday between Friday and Sunday, Mary would have given anything to see him face to face again, just anything. And so when she saw him again face to face, the living Savior outside the tomb, all she could do was fall at his feet and worship. Because that's what happens when you really know who he is and that you get to be in relationship with him. Billy Graham, we heard his voice earlier in the service and one of the things we chose to have echo out here this Easter was when he said, I'm looking forward to seeing him face to face. Are you? He knew that the reason Jesus came to die and to rise again was to make it possible for those of us who don't deserve God to be forgiven and have a relationship with God, which is why he lived his life in worship. And I can't even imagine this is his first Easter in Jesus' presence. What an awesome thing that will be. But it's not just for people like Billy Graham and Mary, it's for us. And I want to tell you, one day, because of what Jesus done, if you know him, you get to be with him face to face, but you don't have to wait until you're there. You can walk with him and experience him now. And when you do, what you want to do is you want to worship him because in the worst of moments, even on Saturday, you have hope. And that's what Easter's about. Remembering that no matter what's going on in my life right now, he's real, he's alive, and his promises are true, and I can worship him. Don't forget, the God who died on Friday and who rose on Sunday is the God who's with us on Saturday. He's here now. And my prayer is when you leave, you'll know he's with you. And as you worship right now with us, you'll remember this is for real. Happy Easter, everybody. Thanks again for spending your Easter with us here at Northridge. And we are thrilled that you connected with us. And our hope is that Pastor Brad's talk provided just that hope. And if you made any kind of spiritual decisions uh, this weekend, would you click that What Next button? Uh, fill out the information there so that we as a church can come alongside you, serve you, love you, and help you in your faith journey. And next week, Pastor Brad's starting a brand new series called Relationship Stuff. And so whether you're married or you're single, Pastor Brad's going to talk about how to build healthy relationships in a practical way. So with your spouse or your friends or your coworkers, we hope that you'll join us so that you can dive into that topic with us. Thanks again. Have a great week.